So today we are going to hear the story of this very first church and how it was born. And I think there's these incredible hints in this story that as we hear from the Bible that tell us what the early church and the early followers of Jesus were like. And so Lucas, who's just left, is going to come. He is going to be reading today the story of this very first Pentecost. On the day of Pentecost, all the believers were meeting together in one place. Suddenly, there was a sound from heaven like a roaring of a mighty windstorm, and it filled the house where they were sitting. Then, what looked like flames or tongues of fire appeared and settled on each of them. And everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit and began speaking in other languages as the Holy Spirit gave them this ability. At that time, there were devout Jews from every nation living in Jerusalem. When they heard the loud noise, everyone came running. And they were bewildered to hear their own languages being spoken by the believers. They were completely amazed. How can this be, they exclaimed. These people are all from Galilee, and yet we hear them speaking in our own native languages. They stood there. They stood there amazed and perplexed. What can this mean, they asked each other. But others in the crowd ridiculed them, saying, they're just drunk, that's all. Then Peter stepped forward with the 11 other apostles and shouted to the crowd, listen carefully, all of you, fellow Jews and residents of Jerusalem, make no mistake about this. These people aren't drunk, as some of you are assuming. Nine o'clock in the morning is too early for that. No, no. What you see was predicted long ago by the prophet Joel. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit upon all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. And your old men will dream dreams. In those days, I will pour out my spirit, even on my servants, men and women alike, and they will prophesy. And everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. People of Israel, listen, God publicly endorsed Jesus the Nazarene by doing powerful miracles, wonders, and signs through him, as you know well. But God knew what would happen, and and his prearranged plan was carried out when Jesus was betrayed. With the help of lawless Gentiles, you nailed him to a cross and killed him. But God released him from the horrors of death and raised him back to life for death could not keep him in its grip. So let everyone in Israel know for certain that God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, to be both Lord and Messiah. Peter's words pierced their hearts, and they said to him and to the other apostles, what shall we do? And Peter replied, each of you must repent of your sins and turn to God, and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. Then you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. This promise is to you, to your children, and to those far away, all who have been called by the Lord our God. Those who believed what Peter said were baptized and added to the church that day, about 3,000 in all. 
So here's this remarkable picture of the early church, just a ragtag bunch of people who've been following this guy Jesus around. They've seen him do miracles and heal sick people. They've seen him welcome the people on the margins and the outcast. But then they watched him be crucified. And their hearts were shattered as this man that they thought was going to bring hope to their nation was destroyed. But then three days later, he comes back to life and they're filled with joy, but it is not until this day of Pentecost when they are filled with the very power of God that they have the courage and the strength to then go and explain to people, this is what is happening in our world. This is what is going on. And here is the promise of Pentecost, that God promises his very presence, the presence that created the entire universe, can fill us and transform us and give us hope and courage and passion. And so here's this first day. And in what Peter says and in what happens, there's this hint of what was going to unfold with the Christian church. See, the first group of people that were there and encountered this were a small group, just a handful of Jews, probably mainly men, and yet what has emerged is this global phenomenon of the church present in every continent. Most Christians in the world now live in Africa, and it has transformed from this tiny little group into this worldwide movement. And what Peter said when he spoke to the crowd was this incredible prediction of what was happen. God is going to pour out his very presence, his Holy Spirit, on men and women. And this was radical for that day, where women were considered subordinate, where men were the patriarchy and ruled everything. God is going to pour the Spirit on men and women alike. And God is going to birth dreams and visions on the old and the young. And then this incredible thing happens where these early disciples go out and they begin speaking different languages. So everybody who is gathered in this place from all around the Roman Empire hears the story of Jesus in their own language. And from this is birthed this incredible multicultural phenomenon where people all over the world are choosing to put their trust in Jesus. Here is this radical new community where it does not matter if you're male or female, if you're old or young, it does not matter what ethnic group you are in, you are all privileged in God's community. This new community where God, Jesus calls into being, all have equal standing, all are children of God, all are valued and treasured. And it's interesting In the first and early church, when they baptized people, there was a creed that they said that captures this, and it's quoted and referred to quite a lot in the New Testament. Paul writes in this passage in Galatians, for you're all children of God through faith in Jesus Christ, and all who have been united with Christ in baptism have put on Christ, like putting on new clothes. And here's the creed, there is no longer Jew or Gentile, slave or free, male and female, for you are all one 
in Christ Jesus. Here is this radical new community. You are all treated, you are all welcomed, you are all valued. And in two other letters, Paul writes to some of these early Christian communities, one of the first followers of Jesus. He writes again and again the same thing. The human body has many parts, but the many parts make up one whole body. So it is with the body of Christ. Some of us are Jews, some are Gentiles, some are slaves, and some are free. But we have all been baptized into one body by one spirit, and we all share the same spirit. And a third time, put on your new nature and be renewed as you learn to know and become more like your creator. In this new life, it doesn't matter if you are a Jew or a Gentile, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbaric, uncivilized, slave or free, Christ is all that matters and he lives in all of us. And so here's this radical new community. It has to be stated again and again and again because human nature probably hasn't changed. We end up hanging out with people like us. We end up replicating the patterns of the world around us. We end up recreating these ladders of hierarchy with certain people at the top and others at the bottom. And yet there's this promise and this command. Now you are part of Jesus' new community. You are all one. You all have the same spirit of God in you. You are all equal. All that matters is Jesus in you. So today we gathered around the baptism pool and we welcome two new members and here is the promise and the challenge. We are all equal before God. We are all loved by the creator of the universe and we are called to express this love to the world around us. As the early church spread, it became this huge challenge to the community around it. The early church was known as the people who loved the enemies and welcomed them. And it confused people in the Roman Empire around them. How can they love their enemies? How is this possible? And the early church gathered children that had been abandoned by their family. And often in the Roman Empire, this was girls that were deemed by the patriarch of the household not worthy. And they were left out on the doorstep, and it was the Christians who gathered them up, who adopted them into their family and cared for them. This was a new community that said all people are valuable and welcome. All people are loved by God. And this was a challenge to the world around them. There's this uh, activist in America called Shane Claiborne, and he observes this. The first Christians are the new sign of God's spirit, a community that is as diverse as creation itself, as unique as the fingerprints we leave and the DNA we're made of, but as a community that understands each other amid our diversity, each as children of God. I heard a rabbi say that it is the nature of the empire to create sameness, like coins and buildings and houses that all look just the same. But if uniformity is the imperial brand, Diversity is the mark of God's creation. We've seen this in our world. We see this in New Zealand as the colonizing forces of the British Empire came through. There was this desire to make everyone the same. And it became for a while 
illegal, or at least kids would get punished if they spoke Māori, te reo, in the classroom, as the empire came and tried to crush and make everyone the same. And it is no accident here in this church that we choose to sing a lot of our songs in te reo because we think this is the spirit of Pentecost. God came and said all are valuable, all are welcome. God made this effort at Pentecost that all languages would be spoken, that all would understand God's love for them in their own language. And this is a pattern that has happened throughout history. And it's a pattern that happens in empires today. As ruling powers say to minority groups, you cannot speak your own language. We will not treasure your language, your culture in our world. We can see it in New Zealand when people say that they've been on a bus and they've been speaking their own language to someone sitting next to them. And someone will say, if you're in our country, you have to speak this language. And there's this desire, I think, for people to say, you have to be like us. You have to be the same as us. And the story of Pentecost and the story of the early church is one that challenges us and is as relevant today as it was back then. We are called to proclaim that God is the good news. God loves us. Jesus came to set us free to bring us hope to all people, to welcome everybody, male and female, old and young, people from every culture. God loves us. God wants to welcome us into his family. And so the Holy Spirit came, and power was poured out on these first believers. And because of that, they were able to stand up against empire. They were able to stand against the predominant values and the culture around them. They were able to act differently and say, we believe in the God of creation who came to this world in the form of Jesus who tells us we are all loved, that when we receive the Holy Spirit, when we become part of the community, we are all equal in God's family. I think today I want to finish by praying and praying for all of us because this is a challenge. How do we live out this gospel proclamation that we are all loved? How do we live it out in our own lives How do we live it out as a church community? How do we find the power and the strength and the courage to stand up against the world that tries to make us all the same, that tries to tell us what's important? So as we finish this part of the service, let's pray together, and I'm going to ask the Holy Spirit to speak to us. And for some of you, this will be the first time you've ever been in a space where this happens. You can just relax And listen, what does God want to say to us? What does God want to say to you today? As we join together to celebrate the birth of his church, this radical new community. So let's pray together. God, you are the God of all creation, the creator of all things. And yet you love us. You know us by name. You called us into being. And you want to speak to all of us in a language we understand. To communicate that you would not stop at any length 
to show us that we are loved, that we are forgiven, that your arms are open wide to call us home. Holy Spirit, we thank you for your empowering presence that can reveal this love to us, that can soften our hearts, that can challenge us, that can give us courage, that can call us to brave new endeavours. So on this Pentecost, more than 2,000 years after the last one, we pray, Holy Spirit, come and speak to us again. Empower us. Give us a taste and a sense of God's incredible love for us. We welcome you, Holy Spirit. Come and speak to us.